The following is a presentation of AOW Productions. This program contains adult content. Listener discretion is advised. The views and opinions expressed by the host of this program do not necessarily say to reflect those of this station or its management. Bringing you controversy at its best with uncensored music, comedy, and political discussion. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Outlaw Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Outlaw Radio for the 24th of April, 2021. I'm your host, Bad Billy. Got an awesome show lined up for you, a packed show. Yes, indeed. So, on the agenda for today's show, you're going to hear an interview that I recorded with Morgan Wade. Uh, she's an up-and-coming country singer out of Virginia, and, and she will be at Highway 30 Music Fest coming up this summer. And uh, yes, I had a great conversation with her. And in the second hour, I had a conversation with a gentleman by the name of Monty Cox. Now, if you're, you watched the UFC before Zufa took over the organization when uh, it was still in the dark days and uh, you could only get it on satellite and communication was done via the internet. Uh, yes, Monty Cox was behind a lot of those scenes and I had a good discussion with him. And then in the third hour, uh, Outlaw Radio Conservative Talk, yes, not doing news of the weird this time, got Outlaw Radio Conservative Talk with a gentleman from my neck of the woods, by the name of Mike Miller, and we have a uh, discussion about some things going on, things going on here in Idaho, an important discussion there. But before we get to that, I want to cue one of the latest songs by Morgan Wade. This is called Reckless. I'll be back with Morgan Wade right after this. And we go a little something like this. Hit it. And now, from a rented basement, because Bad Billy's mom threw him out, it's Outlaw Radio. Going too fast on the wrong way, swimming out past where the waves break. I don't know where I'm going now, I see no signs of slowing down. Trying to make sense of this whole thing Everybody runs from something someday I don't have a clue Who I am without you
thrill seeker rocking out to the station i hear you you're probably even sipping on a drink right now an average blah blah drink in a can or bottle one that doesn't quite hit the spot for you i'll bet you want something different don't you something more take your shot with cold cock whiskey the best whiskey anywhere why because it's different from other liquors cold cock whiskey is herbal whiskey 100 all natural herbs blended with aged american whiskey no more morning after sugar hangovers from other liquors. With Cold Cock's blend of herbs, including green tea, hibiscus, ginger, eucalyptus, and more, you'll be in herbal heaven. Cold Cock Whiskey, available at spirit stores and distributors America-wide. Find one near you at coldcockwhiskey.com. Follow Cold Cock Whiskey on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Celebrate those special moments with friends. Raise your glass. Take your shot. You must be 21 or older to drink Cold Cock Whiskey. Please drink responsibly. Because there are some people out there who need practical advice. And yes, I'm talking about you. Wisdom beyond value from the desk of Mr. Holland. If your parachute doesn't deploy, don't worry. You have the rest of your life to try and fix it. Mr. Holland, Mr. Holland, over here, over here. Ma'am, ma'am, please keep it in your pants. 
Your voice is the strongest weapon. What you believe is the source. The power to speak out has the power to reach out. Freedom of speech gives you the right to express yourself. Without freedom of speech, there is little freedom at all. It is your right to stand up for what you believe in and to take action. Through speech, media, or social groups, you can make a difference. How will you make an impact with freedom of speech? This message is brought to you by the NAB Education Foundation and the Broadcast Education Association. First, there was Cracked Up Live. This is Cranked Up Live. Then, Cranked Up went country. Today's best and tomorrow's greats. Cranked Up Country. Now, Cranked Up Live is back. This is a sizzling hot podcast. Cranked Up Live. Curtis McKinney and Brad Hennington will keep you listening, keep you laughing, and keep you coming back for more. Convicted felons will no longer be called convicted felons. Do you know what they want to call them, Curtis? No. Justice involved individuals is what they renamed them. Listen and download the podcasts at crankeduplive.com. Check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash crankeduplive. Cranked up live. Some material may not be suitable for children under 18. I'm Nick, and you're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we say what the fuckity fuck we want. No exceptions. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you have just heard Reckless by Morgan Wade, and it is my pleasure to welcome Morgan to the show. Morgan, how you doing? I'm doing, I'm doing great. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Thank you very much for joining the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. Glad you're here. So uh, my first question, I guess, uh, for, for uh, the listeners out there who are not familiar with Morgan Wade, uh, why don't you uh, give a little background to the listeners a bit about yourself, about your career? Yeah, so just, uh, I'm a small-town Virginia girl. Uh, just been grinding away for the last six years of my life um, playing music and uh Went out to Nashville, uh, started working with Sadler Baden of Jason Isbell in the 400 unit. Made a record with him and Paul Ebersole out there in Nashville. And uh, that's that's been about two years process. And then the pandemic came along and kind of shut me down and, and just released the record here in March. And it's doing uh, way better than I thought it would do. It's, it's, it's crazy. It's doing really well. So that's, that's about the gist of what I've been up to. <laughs> I want to I want to read a quote here that's uh, f- from an article that uh, was put out about you. Uh, pro- I think uh, roughly about a month ago it was put out. It says Morgan Wade is an anomaly. She's covered in tattoos, her f- fearless eyes straight to the camera, yet her gritty songs are sung with a baby doll slash old girl group voice. <laughs> oh, I, I, I don't know. That's awesome. I, I like the way that's described right there. <laughs> Plus, uh, you can't. I've seen your pictures. You can't miss your tattoos. You definitely have more than I do. That's for sure. You you can't miss them. You can't. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of no going back. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, what? Uh, just basically, uh, it looks like uh, you, both your hands and, and your arms are are covered pretty much. Not necessarily a sleeve to be uh, exact, but uh, just multiple different tattoos 
Yeah, they're pretty. Uh, I'm going to get them all kind of connected together here at some point, but uh, I keep I keep moving to different spots. <laughs> yes, yes. So uh, let's talk about uh, when when you got your opportunity and uh, you you went to Nashville. How did it all come together for you? Yeah, it, you know, I, I met Sadler. He was like the key piece because before I met him, I, I didn't have a booking agent. I didn't have a manager. I didn't have a publicist, a label, nothing. Um, and I met Sadler at a festival, um, and, and we got connected and started writing together. And uh, I got to Nashville, and we, we started discussing, you know, him producing a record. And we kind of took our time with it, but, you know, during that whole process um i got connected with with a booking agency out there and uh i met my manager and, and then you know i got the the deal with 30 tigers and so it was like little by little everything fell into place once i met sadler and uh we really started i mean we worked really hard you know uh, originally the plan was to put an ep out and uh we didn't have any funding for that you know it was just kind of like all right we're just going to put our own money into it and, and see where this goes and then just by, you know, working on these songs and getting them really good, we, we ended up with a, a record deal and everything like that. And so it's it's been, uh, looking back, you know, it, it's kind of crazy how I went from, from where I was at to where I am now. And it's it's been a slow process, but it also seems really fast, too. Yeah, I can, I can hear you there, and I can understand what you're saying, too. And um, has anybody ever talked to you about, uh, you know, back like when I was a kid during the eighties, what, what, uh, the in industry was like then. And then of course, now here we are in the digital age where, you know, not everybody has to go to a place like uh, New York or Los Angeles to try to make a name for themselves if they really want to do so. Um, now, now you have the internet and, uh, basically it's, it's, uh, the, the market has changed so much since then. Um, but uh, sticking strictly to today's market, um, how would you best describe the uh, pros and cons to it? I would, you know, I obviously it's much easier to, you know, even when it comes down to like promoting a show or anything like that. You know, you, you're just you're on the internet, and that's how I discover music. You know, iTunes, um, especially during the pandemic. You know, we couldn't get out and see live shows. So I've discovered a lot of new bands uh, through that. And while it's great, I, you know, the Internet can be your downfall, too. I mean, you know, things get shared all the time and, uh, you know, reading the comments. And so, it, you know, it, it used to, it, it's, to me, it, it's a, you know, there's a pros and cons to the Internet of all sorts. But uh, to me, it's it's fortunately been in my favor so far. Uh, you can get discovered that way, but then I guess they could discover things that, that weren't too great as well. And then, you know, uh, you put things out on the internet and you got to, uh, take the criticism as well. And sometimes that's not so grand, but, uh, it's the world we're in, right? Comes with the territory. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. For sure. Now, uh, let me ask you, uh, who would you say are some of the biggest influences in your career are? Uh, so I, I grew up listening to Elvis Presley. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean that, like, I think I discovered, I was in like 
I was like seven, I think, when I discovered who Elvis was, and it was kind of, you know, a little tough for me to uh, get it through to my head that uh, he he had died long before I was born. Um, <laughs> but uh, he, I was just such a big fan of him. Uh, and then now, you know, I, I look at people like, I'm a big Miley Cyrus fan. I just think that she doesn't she doesn't care what anybody else says or what they think. She does the music that she wants to do, and she lives the life she wants to live. And you know, I look at like Lana Del Rey, and just the women and in, in, you know men that that speak their mind that uh, that are just different, and they don't you know they don't fit in with the social norms. That's those are the kind of people I look to for inspiration. You know, that brings up one other question, too, that I've asked other artists in the past here on my show, and I, I'd i like to get your take on it. You know, I mean, uh, I'd have to say, say you know, uh, it's tough to to really pick a genre in, the, in uh, this day and age. But, of course, uh, when it comes to uh, females in the uh, music business, uh, the country music uh, genre has, has not had a problem like uh, – we're talking. We're talking uh, back in the fifties and sixties when, of course, it was very, very uh, heavily dominated by by males. Of course, and then in uh, country you have uh, artists like Patsy Cline or uh, Tammy Wynette who uh, solidified their legacy, and uh, uh, for them they kind of. In a way, you read the story; they they might have made it look easy, but I doubt it was easy at all. But then, <laughs> but then you have, of course, the rock genre, and um, you know one of my one of my very favorite uh, females in rock and roll is I have to I feel she doesn't get enough credit uh, that uh, she deserves, and that would be Lita Ford. I mean, I. She she's she's just awesome. I think the main thing she's known for though was her duet with Ozzy Osbourne. But uh, you know, it, it seems like uh, women in rock and roll really didn't get that rec- that deserved recognition until uh, I'd have to say in the early two thousands when Evanescence broke out on the scene, and then of course you're seeing a lot more uh, fe- female rock artists coming in, and. Uh, mm-hmm. Overall, uh, in your opinion, why would you say that is? Why is it taking so long to get to you know to get to this kind of recognition? Do you think? I mean, why did it take so long for women to get the vote? You yeah, know, <laughs> exactly. It's just like it, it's. Uh, I, I mean, it's. I. I think that a lot of it just kind of goes back to the fact that you know the same with you know jobs men were the ones to get to go out and get the jobs women had to stay home with the kids so i think it's just been a long process of people not understanding women can do stuff too and i think it's just you know when everything's and fortunately now especially and i think that goes ties with social media as well we're talking about it more you know i I went uh, to visit my parents and i was down in georgia and we were listening to the radio and We'd been in the car for an hour, and I had heard one female on the radio. And, you know, the rest was just male voices. And I think that that's – we're talking about it more because people are like, screw that. You know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak out about it. And uh, I think that it's it just – it takes us talking about stuff. I mean, it comes down to everything, you know, all kinds of, you know, injustices that I feel like we're talking about more now than we ever have. 
uh, and I, I think that's important. You know, and one name I should mention too, of course, Joan Jett, and I remember I really liked her when, when uh, long before I was ever a teenager. I remember when mm -hmm. she was starting to get popular, but yet it took what uh, I think she was just inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame what, what like five years ago. I don't know know exactly, can't remember when, but uh, it th that's crazy. That should have been. That that should have been what twenty years ago that she was inducted, <laughs> right? You know, and and Lita Ford definitely uh, deserves a place there. And then uh, there's one young girl by uh, I don't know if you've heard of her. She uh, calls herself Orianthe, and she, oh, she's she is just amazing. Yet, uh, you know, a lot of people look at me and say, "Who who the hell is she?" Never heard of her. You know, yeah. So, but uh, I think uh, more and more every day, though, do you think we're breaking that barrier down? I do. I do. I, and I, I think that it, it, uh, it's just because we're, we're talking about it. We're not, it's not like one of those things that we've brought up and we're letting it die. I think that we're, and then, you know, it helps too having men be on board with this and, you know, uh, other male singer songwriters and musicians you know they're talking about it too like why why aren't the women getting played as much and i think that's a big deal too when the men start talking about it as well absolutely absolutely now uh talking about uh covid of course uh, and, and how it just seemed to have shut everything down you know, I know you're going to be at uh, Highway 30 here in this area coming up in the summertime, but and we'll get to that a little bit later. Um, I I do have to say though, I, I don't I don't know what to think of it at times because uh, I mean, as you know, Gordy was able to successfully put on Highway 30 despite all this chaos last year, and uh, not there wasn't. There was planned social distancing and masks and all that, but it really didn't happen as planned. And uh, I don't recall one case of COVID being reported since then. I remember Gordy and Chris Jansen getting a lot of flack on on uh, from the media saying, oh, they only care about their wallets. They don't care about their fans. And, and that could be very, very far from the, from the real truth. But, um, you know... Um, that's one one of the few things that actually happened during COVID. And as as for you, and uh, having to deal with the uh, with COVID and, and the the, sh the shutdowns and nobody's going to concerts and things like that, uh, what would you say the positives and negatives that you've taken from uh, this from all of this have been? You know, there's there's a lot of things that I've noticed about myself. I mean, we we. You know, I went from playing all these shows, and uh, when we first got news of, all right, we got to stay at home, you know, two weeks. I was like, all right, that's cool. It'd be nice to be at home for two weeks. I can't remember the last time I was home for two weeks. And then, you know, obviously you start to realize, all right, it's going to be a little longer than two, two weeks. Um, I think I needed that. And, you know, two, we, we had to push the record back. We were going to release it a little earlier, and then we kept having to change the date. And I think that's good because I was able to use social media and, and do these, you know, live shows 
on the on the internet and gather in some fans. People were at home. You know, they were streaming music more. They were looking stuff up. And we were all really missing live music. So I feel like people are appreciating that much more, and, and myself as well. Um, I didn't realize how much I really do rely on that uh, as an outlet. And so going forward, I'm, I'm never going to uh, complain about having to travel and, and play a show or anything. I'm going to be super, super grateful to get back out there. But I, I think it was good for me to to sit and to have time to to work on myself and, and even to write. I mean, I, I've written a lot of stuff that, you know, since I've been stuck at home. And it's just taught me, you know, all the places that I, I haven't gone to that I'd like to go to and, and that, you know, Life is short and nothing is for certain. Yes, yes, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I I think that's what uh, most artists have been telling me is that uh, there's a lot of time to write songs or the, or they're going to the studio and uh, they're finishing up uh, projects that they may have even started 10 years ago and just uh, tying up the loose ends right there. So, I mean, there's, there's plenty of... Uh, of positives that can be taken out of this. Of course, I, one thing I just found to be unreal was a guest I, I recently had on uh, told me that uh, his son was saying to him that the ultimate con- concert experience is watching it live on YouTube. And uh, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I thought he was speaking a different language there when I heard that. <laughs> I mean, still, I'm sorry, this... You know, that feeling of watching an artist in in person, watching them perform on stage. I mean, there's that right there. I mean, you ju- you're just not going to get that. You're not going to get that energy from seeing it on TV or on a YouTube video. What do you think? Oh, no, absolutely not. There, I mean, I, I, I can't even. It was, you know, I'm thankful we had those things. So, you know, during the lockdown, we can you know, still try to have live music in a way, but nothing beats a live show. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of artists that that I really want to see live, and it's just it's something about knowing, hey, that person I've been playing, you know, on my stereo is right here in front of me right now. That person that's helped me through, you know, their music's helped me through all these times. Like, they are right here in the same room as me. I, I I don't think you can top that. Absolutely. I agree with you 100%. I want to take a moment to uh, talk about the song that I just played, Reckless. And I'm going to tell you that uh, I listened to I listened to that song word for word. In fact, I even pulled up the lyric sheet because there's just there's just something about that song um, that it that hit home with me because of the way it's described in in two relationships that I have personally been in. I mean. Uh, I'm not proud to say, but when I was 28, I made the biggest mistake of uh, marrying a young girl who was, she was 17 going on 18 at the time. And then in the end, it just really didn't work out uh, between the two of us. And then, uh, you know, about taking a year off from a relationship and then then trying it again, I dated a a lady who was older than me. (laughs) So... So, you know, and uh, I remember my first wife, she, she was saying, I wonder what you were like when uh, you were my age. And then, uh, of course, then, then uh, of course, I, I'm dating uh, this other lady who's 10 years older than me. Uh, 
and she's telling me about her wildlife uh, back when she was in her late teens uh, to early 20s at the time, too. <laughs> and it, it, and for me, it's like, uh, wow, now, you know, so it kind of, the shoe was kind of on, on the other foot in that relationship, too. But I have to ask you, uh, was that song uh, written uh, based, uh, based on a, on a real-life experience at all like that? Kind of. I think it was, it was more of a, a mixture of of different relationships. It, you know, so it wasn't just one person um, in general. But I feel like we've all obviously had that that instance where we meet somebody and we're like, man, I wish I would have known you back then. Like if I would have met you sooner at a different time in our lives, like it would have worked out. It's just not going to work now. We're in two different places, but you know several years ago we would have been in the same place and on the same path uh so that and i've had a lot of people connect with that yes <laughs> so i'm not the first one to tell you that uh, that uh, there's there's something about that song that hits home no 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 you're not i'm sorry you're not the first one <laughs> <laughs> uh, i didn't expect to be either so <laughs> <laughs> No, that's <laughs> that's perfectly fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and um, got to ask this question. This is uh, something my former co-host started, and I like to keep it going for him. But uh, he liked to ask questions uh, that really tickled the brain once in a while. But, uh, let's say that uh, that uh, your your recent uh, your recent CD Reckless had just uh, had just started hitting the charts, and uh, you're gearing up for a tour. You're going to go coast to coast. You're going to go into Canada. You're going to go into Mexico. Maybe even travel globally a little bit. You have three opening slots of bands or musicians you'd like to have open for you. Who do you pick? And it could be anybody, past or present. Oh gosh! I mean, these people would never open for me. But you know, I'll go ahead and say. I mean, uh, Halsey is definitely one of them. Uh, Lana Del Rey, and then I got to go. Miley Cyrus. Those will be my my three people. Even though if they heard this right now, they'd be like, "I am never opening for you. You can not even open for me." But that, those will be my three selections right there. <laughs> there you go. There you go. You you answered that with ease. I'm amazed. <laughs> Yeah, those are those are my favorites, man. They, I, I yes. love those three. Absolutely. So, uh, to, um, since uh, you know things are starting to co calm down from COVID and all that, how many live shows have you had since now? Um. So since the record, uh, the record release was. Let's see. I think I've had about five shows. All right. That come out, and and that's you know crazy to me even to think about five shows because it's been so long since i've played anything and so uh it's it feels really good to get back out there now of course uh, you're going to be coming out my way to idaho and i i think on two occasions you're going to be playing just up the road from me at the turf club can't remember when that is and of course uh, you've uh, you're also booked for um Highway Thirty Music Fest. Obviously, you got you got to be very excited about that. Will Will this be the first time that uh, you're coming out this way? Yeah, yeah. So uh, 
think it's like May 21st and 22nd, I think, uh, that I'll be at the uh, out there. And um, then I'll be coming back, yeah, for Highway, Highway 30. I, I'm super excited. I've never been to Idaho before. Um, this is all, all new territory for me, so I'm definitely looking forward to that. Well, I got to say, I've I've been to Virginia uh, quite a few times, of course, and uh, Virginia's beautiful, but hey, so is Idaho, and uh, you think you're going to like it out here. All right, I'm I'm sure I will. I'm I'm excited, especially being cooped up this long. I'm, I it feels really good to be able to say that I'm going to be <laughs> traveling all the way out there. Now, I I do have to ask, uh, you know, Gordy's an amazing guy, and um, you know, he he last year he really pushed things to the outer limits to make sure a, a show happens you know i mean and he's not just a music promoter he's actually somebody who he he cares about uh, the the artists he cares about the fans you know he's very passionate and puts heart and soul into putting putting on an event um to, how was it that uh, you got acquainted with gordy actually i haven't met gordy um not entirely sure how he he found me, but I, I just know that literally uh, sitting there one night, I'm not, I'm not even going to lie, I was taking a bath, and my agent called me, and I answered the phone. She's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm taking a bubble bath. And she was like, well, uh, there's this guy named Gordy on Idaho, and, and she was telling me all about the festival and how he had called her and talked to her, and she's actually from Idaho. And... Uh, she was like, you know, this is a great festival and all that. And so, yeah, he somehow discovered me, and he was super interested in getting me out there. And so I'm super grateful for that, not only for the festival, but he's also, you know, like I said, having me out for two shows. And uh, that's, you know, I'm just super grateful for the opportunity. And I've read nothing but, you know, amazing things about him. So it seems like he's a super genuine guy. Yeah, oh, I can I can tell you he most definitely is, and uh, you know when when you, when you meet him, you're not you're not going to be disappointed. Um, you know, I mean, like I like I said, he ca- he cares just as much for uh, the artists as he does a- about the fans and putting on an event. In fact, uh, the we even had T-shirts uh, at at the uh, last uh, Highway Thirty Music Fest last year that uh, just. You know, the state of state of Idaho is kind of shaped like an L if you look at it, and it's and it said living, and that's what you know with with the pandemic and everything going on. Uh, Gordy's exact words were, uh, you know, all we've been doing was existing. It's time to start living again. And all right on. Yeah, and uh, you know he's booked he's booked four nights this year last last year it was three and i think uh years before that it was three but but now he's he's booked it for four nights and it's well it's it's gonna be amazing i'm i i can't wait oh yeah i'm I'm super pumped uh, everybody that uh that i know that i've talked to about it they said it's great great time yes yes and uh, so, one question I got to ask here, because let's see, we are we are running out of time, but to have a little bit of time for a, cu- a couple more questions. Um, in uh, your in your time of performing, and uh, before the pandemic hit and all that, uh, 
Now, th this doesn't matter if you're playing some dirty dive bar, some uh, shithole out in the middle of nowhere, Kentucky, that holds a maximum capacity of about maybe 25 people if you're lucky, or say you've booked out Madison Square Garden. What do you think is the craziest thing you have witnessed while performing on stage? Oh, God. <laughs> I'm trying to... Uh... Mm. I'm trying to, uh... It's okay. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, no, I'm trying to think. Man, I gotta say, being flashed has got to be the weirdest thing. <laughs> what? And that's happened to me a couple of times. Like, you know, people just like, uh, you know, I, 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 yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is up with uh, women, just or not just women. I well, I've only been flashed by women at my shows, but. uh yeah, that's, that's oh. been a thing. I've witnessed that a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> oh. So I, I, that's yeah. <laughs> I mean, but then again, I'm, I'm, I should be surprised with some of the other stories that I've heard of from just that question alone. Is you, you can imagine what kind of stories I get once in a while, especially from uh, metal artists. Oh, I bet. I bet. Yeah, no, I bet they've got I bet they got some good ones. If they heard me say flashing, they'd be like, that's pain. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> My final question. Let's say a group of kids ages 15 to early 20s approach you and tell you they're going to start a band. They want to get into the business. So what advice do you think you could give them? My advice would be just stay true to yourself, you know, focus on what your strong suits are and, and um, you know, you got to pay your dues. I, I I think about that often, you know, looking back at the shows I've done and, and the, uh, you know, amount of traveling that I've had to do for, for no money at all. You know, you, you got to take those and you got to do it. You got to get out there and you got to be genuine and authentic and just, no matter how many people shoot you down, you know, you got to keep doing it. Just work hard. That's that's the biggest thing is work hard. It's not easy. I hear you there. Well, that's uh, all the questions I have for you. I want to thank you once again uh, for uh, taking some time out to talk to me. We're going to hit a uh, five-song set uh, here where I'm going to play three more of your songs. But before I get to that... Uh, Morgan, why don't you go ahead and give yourself a plug to tell the listeners uh, where they can find you. you got a website out there, social media, Reverb Nation, iTunes, Spotify, and all that good stuff. Yeah, uh, more, uh, website's morganwademusic.com. You can find me on Instagram, Morgan Wade Music, uh, Twitter, at the Morgan Wade. I'm on Facebook, uh, Morgan Wade Music. iTunes is Morgan Wade, Spotify, Morgan Wade. Just, uh, I'm going to drill that name into your brain, Morgan Wade. You can uh, find me on all that good stuff. <laughs> Sounds like you're trying to hypnotize. I, I am. I'm trying to hypnotize you. So <laughs> that's all you can think about. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, uh, once again, I want to thank you very much for joining the show. I want to wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. Now, I will say really quick, I can't guarantee that I'm going to be able to make the Turf Club show but uh, definitely look forward to seeing you at uh, Highway 30. Right on, man. Well, thanks so much for having me. Yes, again, thank you so much for your time. Good luck and God bless. Thank you, man. All right, take care.
you too. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the interview that I conducted with Morgan Wade. With that said, we're going to hit the first music set. Coming up, we have three more songs by Morgan Wade, and I've also thrown in Chino XL with Rama Duke into the mix. And since I mentioned Orianthe, I might as well throw her in the mix too. With that said, be right back after this. This is the kind of thing that just tickles my balls. You're listening to Outlaw Radio, and if you don't agree with our opinions, then fuck your mother. Hey, do you kiss your girlfriend with that mouth?
This portion of the show is being brought to you by Fungus. Yes, when searching for weird-looking fuzzy stuff to propagate itself all over their old meatloaf and cottage cheese, more people choose Fungus than any other rhizome. Remember, it's pure, it's natural, it's 100% biodegradable. It's Fungus. I let my last dollar go My emotions volatile On this potion I'm irresponsible Found my love Take it in vain These are the pain From a while ago Trying to turn my mind new However minute My childhood was cruel But liquid in the spoons Making my past tolerable As I drive on the street like she's my only companion Hurting without her, I'd certainly be deceased hanging here yeah. A beast with fangs and a leash anger that's only calm By the warm needle when it's pushed perfectly through my dirty Feeble epidermis on my arm, gone, fetal and numb Like a flower that's slumbering eternally in this fine tune Actually woke up to nurses inside of a white room and bomb But I'm still in love with Miss Heron, still glad that I put her on At least I had her She left me and it tore me apart, my God. You could hear the scar tissue shatter inside of my heart. The same mist that saved me from the abyss of the dark. Became my muse and assisted me with my twisted art. Her thorn sharp. I'm the rose petal that fell from its pedestal. Unbearable God witnesses. The frozen princesses couldn't let it go. The interruption of a king. My slim heroine's grin. Taught me that I had even more to lose than everything. She kills suffering. She's too good to be true. They want to take my interest from syringes, but I'm stick with you.
I'd write you a love song But I don't know how that feels Tonight I'm numb From a cocktail pill I hallucinate Think I'm touching your skin I'd much rather die Think of the bed that you're in And the streetlights they might as well burn hold out Ain't nothing bright as you ever step foot in this godforsaken town Until I met you We didn't get our books In bed every night Or dance in the kitchen Drunk off of some shitty wine I didn't get that ring There on my Take and take. 
loves the sweet passion of oh, our eyes as it wins. If a bit of all will tell me why it's so sweet and Since I suffer with pleasure, why should I complain? Or grieve at my fate when I know it is in vain. Yet so pleasing the pain is, so soft is the dart, and that at once it both wounds me and tickles my heart.
no other feeling than strapping up or grabbing those kettlebells, grappling on the mat, or doing some shadow boxing, getting knocked down, getting back up, throwing strikes, and then doing it all over again. So when you hear someone scream, gear up, you better get ready, because it's just you, your Hunter Athletic Gear, and the voice telling you to train harder. No matter how much experience you have, Hunter Athletic Gear stands with you all the way. Their products are engineered for utmost comfort, protection 
action and speed. Battle after battle. Hunter Athletic Gear is the brand celebrating your victory. Hunter Athletic Gear has a range of great training and fight gear for men and ladies, including compression pants, fight shorts, hoodies, vests, caps, and bikinis. They can create custom branded ranges for your gym or business. Visit their website at huntermma.co.za. Gear up and let's train. What news and information are your media dollars buying when the narrative is prescribed by the advertisers? Scripted lies, media brainwashing, and thought control. Take back your voice. Take back our media. But most of all, take back our First Amendment. Subscribe to Caravan to Midnight today for hard-hitting commentary free from political correctness and media bias as I and some of the most intelligent and interesting people on Earth delve deep into what really lies beyond the headlines. Three to four hour uninterrupted and uncensored information. Join our CTM family today. Join the movement. Join the fight for freedom and independence. Caravan to Midnight is media for the people, by the people, independent of commercial obligations or influence. For less than a cup of coffee per month, you can make a difference. Let the people fund the next news network. Help us grow. Help us create a platform where we place freedom of speech and thought first. Join the family at caravantomidnight.com. Worldwide, nations have been stripped of their rights and freedoms to make their own choices in life. Choices are made for them by their government. Insane, isn't it? Attend Red Pill Expo 2021, June 5th and 6th at the Monument Convention Center in Rapid City, South Dakota. Can't make it to Rapid City? The Expo will be live-streamed and archived should you miss any of it. Red Pill Expo is the major public event of Red Pill University. The mission of the Expo and the University is to bring together world-class experts to set the record straight on fake narratives, fake history, and fake news. At each and every Red Pill Expo, truth seekers unite to get a better understanding of how the world really works, a world where collectivism reigns. It's time for individualism and an open mind. Mark your calendars and make your plans now to attend Red Pill Expo 2021. Get more details and register today at redpillexpo.org. Mark your calendar and make plans now to experience Highway 30 Music Fest 2021, June 23rd, 24th, 25th, and 26th at the Twin Falls Fairgrounds in Filer, Idaho. With good food and drink, country music, Americana music, rock and red dirt, there's something for everyone. Performing Saturday, June 26th, Jade Marie Patek. George DeVore. Come and eat some bubble in me. Sam Riggs. It takes a bulletproof heart to love me. To love me like you do. And more. Sponsors of Highway 30 Music Fest 2021 include Bish's RV, Donnelly Sports, and Swire Coca-Cola. Have a great time while helping organizations and families in need. Highway 30 Music Fest will take place rain or shine. To order tickets and for more information, visit hwy30musicfest.com. Yo, baby, you have your ass only by Fat Man in an overcoat? You're listening to Outlaw Radio. Now buy a sewing machine, take it home, and cram it up your ass. (laughs) 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Cold Cock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take a shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, gear up, let's train. And USAC, the United South Africa Coalition. Go to USAC.center for more information. The songs you just heard, you just heard Matches and Metaphors by Morgan Wade. Before that, Heaven in the Cell by Orianthe. Before that, Met You by Morgan Wade. Before that, Chino XL with Ramaduke and their rendition of Under the Bridge by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And starting off the whole set, Morgan Wade with Wilder Days. All right, so in just a little bit, you're going to hear the interview that I conducted with uh, Monty Cox. Of course, that will be Outlaw Radio Combat Sports Discussion. Before I get to that, I think I need to reveal... The Outlaw Radio Idiot of the Week. And this week, ladies and gentlemen, the Outlaw Radio Idiot of the Week this week is none other than LeBron James. Yes, you know, the one who plays for the Los Angeles Lakers. But um, (laughs) he's a race baiter. And, uh, you know, I'd like to know how oppressed he is when he makes the millions that he makes. You know, and, uh, you know, we got, uh, you got the victory in the, uh, Derek Chauvin case right there, which, uh, that's going to be discussed later on in the show with, uh, Mike Miller, but, uh, shortly after that. So as you know, there was an incident in Columbus, Ohio, where, uh, this, uh, teenage black girl was wielding a knife and a cop the cop nearby shot her to save the life of the person she was attacking. Well, the cops being dubbed a racist, uh, LeBron James puts out on Twitter, you're next, referring to the cop that did that hashtag accountability. LeBron James, it, I mean, he's a good basketball player, of course. I don't think he holds a candle to the likes of Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, you know, the 80s and 90s magical era of the NBA, you know, he he yeah, he get destroyed by the by all those people. I mean, he's now th- this guy's a fucking pud. Is what he is. He's a good basketball player. He's won championships. But number one, the magic from the NBA as I know it is gone. That era is over and it, it will never be the same again. And of course, with assholes like this piece of shit, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, he's all, he makes me lose interest in the NBA completely. Yeah, him and uh, Colin Krapernick and all that. <laughs> Fuck him. Anyway, enough on that. It's time for Outlaw Radio Combat Sports Discussion with none other than Monty Cox. Boxing. It'll be scored as a knockout. It's all over. We've got a brand new heavyweight champion of the world, Mike Tyson. Kickboxing. Mixed martial arts. Professional wrestling. And apparently, Hell in the Cell match is officially underway. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Outlaw Radio Combat Sports Discussion. Knuckle up and throw down. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for this edition of Outlaw Radio Combat Sports Discussion, I have a gentleman on the line with me who I remember hearing his name multiple times uh, back like uh, 20 years ago when I was watching the UFC before uh, when it was still SEG and they sold it to Zufa. And uh, you've heard of uh, great champions like Pat Militich, Matt Hughes, Tim Sylvia, Jens Pulver, and that that list can go on right there. Great fighters coming out of that camp. But, of course, the man in the management, uh, Monty Cox. How you doing? I'm doing good. All right. Uh, good to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. I, used to do, I used to do a lot of interviews. Now, now not, not so much. I'm, I'm a forgotten man. Yeah, unless, uh, you know, you have somebody who's kind of an old-timer to the, uh, a long-time fan like me who's, um, yeah, I don't hear your name as much as I used to, but still I rem- remember hearing it a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I, I have, I've managed nine UFC champs, and I think the last time I counted, I, I managed about, about 150 guys in the UFC. Yes, yes, uh, and I think I've named uh, I've named a few of them there too. But uh, of course, uh, pretty much just about everyone you've worked with uh, has been affiliated uh, one way or another with the Militich camp, correct? No, no, not really. the The Militich camp is, was a was where I started. I mean, Pat and I started together. He was my first uh, client for that. And, uh, and we did produce the ones you said, that Tim Sylvia, Jens Pulver, uh, uh, and, and uh, Pat, of course, himself, Matt Hughes. Um, but the other ones, like other champs that I had, Sean Shirk, um, Dave Manet, Rich Franklin, um, you know, those were all from other, other areas when I started expanding. Robbie Lawler was also from Militich. Um, uh, uh, you know, so it, it mixes around, but no, I, I didn't, I would say out of the 150 guys I put in the UFC, probably 50 were, U- were from Militich. The other hundred were all over the place. Yes. Yes. Now, uh, about 10 years ago too, I remember uh, purchasing an audio book that was, uh, pretty much, uh, I'd say the majority of it uh, was about uh, Pat Militich and his er- his uh, early life and uh, basically uh, the mm-hmm. things he had to go through before co- becoming a champion. Like uh, I I I had no idea what he uh, had to go through, but uh, obviously you know gr- he was living in poverty conditions and uh, just basically. Uh, rose to the top from there. And, uh, but uh, how was it that uh, you you came to know Pat in the first place? Well, I was the uh, I was the sports editor and news editor of the Quad City Times. And I, I had spent 18 years in newspapers. Um, and the Quad City Times is the second biggest paper in Iowa. And um, I, I was 
at the desk and I was covering boxing. I was covering Michael Dunn and Antoine Eccles. And um, I, I get a call and they go, Monty, we take this. And it's the guy who goes, hey, did you know we got a, we got a local guy going to Chicago? He's going to fight in this event with no weight, no rules, going to fight in the cage. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, come on. I go, this doesn't make, I've never heard of this. So I said, you got a number. And so I called and the guy says, you know, before you write a hatchet job on us, come down and see what we're doing. So I went down and watched and they were wrestling, which I live in Iowa, who doesn't wrestle. And they were boxing, which I boxed. And then they showed me jujitsu. And that was, it was like voodoo. I mean, I'd never seen anything like these holds and, and, uh, and joint locks and stuff hurt like hell. And, um, and then Pat says that the guy that I'm there is Pat Militich. And he goes, now imagine two guys that know what I know going against each other with all of these weapons. And I'm like, dude, you already got me hooked. I'm going to come up to Chicago and watch. So I went up to Chicago. The place is packed. Pat runs through everybody, wins the tournament. And, uh, on the way back, he says, you know, we got to do a show in the Quad Cities. And I'm like, no, Pat, I'm doing, I do boxing. I don't, I don't know anything about it, this MMA or this cage fighting. And uh, he says, You're, you can do it. You're a promoter, aren't you? And he goes, you can do it. Trust me. Trust me. Pat has a way of talking you into stuff. And um, so he, he talks me into doing it. And I said, look, if I'm going to do it, it's going to be big. So I went to the biggest uh, venue we had. Then it was called the Mark of the Quad Cities. It held 11,000. And uh, it had just opened. And I said, we're, we're going to do it here. And so that's what we did. And Pat kept, you know, Pat says, I'm going to sell 2,000 tickets. And I'm like, whatever, dude. I mean, you know, you get a guy that sells 300 and it's amazing. 2,000 is, is ridiculous. Well, it was ridiculous. He sold 4,000. And, and, uh, I drew 8,000 people to my first event. Made enough money that I didn't want to be a newspaper guy anymore. And uh, that was the beginning of the end. Now I've promoted almost 600 shows. Yes, yes. uh, Thinking of uh, some of the shows that uh, you've promoted, too, a lot of the uh, smaller venues outside of the UFC, including one that uh, I don't know how many events uh, there were, but... uh, and I can't think of the name of it right off the top of my head, but I do know that. Uh, see, it was the, it was uh, where um, uh, you're going to have to help me out here, Monty, because I can't what remember state, what state. What state? I, I think it was Iowa, but I'm not sure. But I do know this: it was when uh, when Matt Hughes lost to Dennis Holman for the first time. Now that was Wisconsin. That, that was at, uh, that was an eight-man tournament that oh. I had in uh, in Hayward, Wisconsin, at the LCO Casino, and um, no one knew Matt Hughes, and he was one and zero, uh, and he was the number eight seat in my in my eight-man tournament. But that tournament also had Dave Manet and and uh, uh, a lot of uh, Dennis Hallman. Um, I want to say Chris Lytle. I had two two big tournaments there, and I'm not sh- I, I'm not exactly sure which one this was, but um, he I know I seated him eighth, 
and he fought Dave Manet in the first round and beat him. And we knew then, uh-oh, <laughs> this guy's a stud. I think he fought Joe Dirksen in the second one, and then he lost to Hallman in the final. But, uh, yeah, it was a hell of a tournament. Big turn, you know, quality tournament. And that, that's what we were doing back then. I had so many fighters, I would just throw them all together and see who came out. Yes, yes. And uh, I was... It uh, came back to me as I thought it would. Uh, Extreme Challenge was the name of the event that I was right. thinking of. That uh, you did, you had quite a few of those. And uh, overall, how would you rate your success with those events? Well, Extreme, Extreme Challenge right now, I'm still doing them, is the second longest running MMA event in the country behind the UFC. Uh-huh. I did my first show right after UFC 3. And I'm still going. Uh, the the other guys that were ahead of me, uh, Battle of the Masters, Hook and Shoot by a couple of weeks, and Super Brawl by a week, they now no longer do shows. So I'm the I'm the second longest running show out there, and I think I'm an Extreme Challenge 250. <laughs> wow, that's amazing! That's amazing! Congratulations on that. Uh, I'm glad you could uh, definitely keep this afloat and. Ke- Keep it going too, of course. Uh, t- but uh, times have definitely changed. Uh, the sport has changed like we knew it would. Um, fighters, of course, uh, are evolving a lot more than than they have. Uh, what it and when you look at Pat Militich himself, you know he was really he can't, he was in the infancy basically of the uh, UFC just shortly after they started having weight classes um but still you know uh back then it was like a jiu-jitsu guy against a kickboxer and things like that and of course pat was always very very well rounded i i i tend to think he was a bit ahead of his time what what do you think oh without a doubt and he he was he didn't come after the UFC started classes he was, he was in the four-man tournament of the very first uh, lightweight tournament. They had, they had the heavyweights and lightweights. That's all there was. He was in the first four-man tournament with uh, Townsend Saunders, Mikey Burnett, and uh, uh, I can't remember who. The, the other one was a Brazilian, a Brazilian guy. Oh, uh, yeah. And then, uh, Eugenio Tadio. I remember that yeah. tournament. Yeah. Yep, and Barnett got hurt, and then Chris Brennan, who Pat had already defeated twice, um, stepped in to, for the title, uh, the tournament title, and Pat, uh, that was the first time Pat finished him. Yes, yes. Now, one thing I do know is I, I remember uh, when uh, Pat had lost to uh, Matt Hume in uh, Extreme Fighting, uh, Battlecade Extreme Fighting. I, I remember that, and uh, I'd. I was very impressed with that fight because uh, even even though Pat had lost that fight, uh, you know he he did so well, and I could see he, you know him and him and Matt Hume were were like uh, carbon copies of each other, both ahead of their time, if you ask me. And uh, you know, but it was shortly after that that uh, Battlecade had gone bankrupt, and then of course John Peretti goes over to the UFC and. Um, so basically, 
metaphorically speaking, was it like a contract uh, that started with Battlecade and carried over to the UFC? Because I know that, uh, yeah, just about everything had transferred over at that time, starting with Maurice Smith and uh, Kevin uh, Jackson. Yeah, no, it wasn't. I mean, we only had a one-fight deal with Extreme Fighting, and uh, and when that when that ended, um, John went over and and took over, uh, of course, UFC, and then he called us and we started from scratch. Gotcha, gotcha. And of course, uh, I I have to ask you this because uh, basically when. He crossed over into the UFC. It was uh, still owned by Meyerowitz and SEG Promotions. And then uh, uh, years later, Zufa had uh, had bought it. But uh, in that, sh- that short time, uh, you know, you guys had to work with SEG. I've, I've heard some stories. I just want to get a little clarification here, Monty. Um, but uh, basically, uh, this is what Fabiano Iha told me, is that uh, basically uh, some of the fighters were placing bets uh, amongst each other of who would actually cash their check and get money first because uh, that there were, from what I understand, there were fighters who did not uh, had trouble getting paid because checks were bouncing. Oh, I, we never ran into that. I mean, I had, uh, I didn't have that many guys in until Peretti got there. I mean, a couple I had, uh, um, of course, Pat fought, and uh, Laverne Clark got in, and uh, uh, Andre Roberts, um, Ian Freeman. And I had a few, uh, you know, holdovers. Jeremy was in with with uh, SEG, but those guys, I we had no trouble getting paid. Um, that was never never an issue. I actually got along really well with uh, with uh, Meyerowitz. He uh, you know, he's a tough negotiator, but once he negotiated a price, he stuck with it. I, I really didn't have an issue. And I, I have to ask you this, um, and you can decline to answer if you want. That's perfectly fine. Sure. But uh, who, who uh, do you think it was easier working with, uh, Dana White or uh, Bob Meyerowitz? Well, when. Uh, when it was Meyerwitz, uh, Peretti was in there, which made it really easy. Um, Dana, I mean, I still, with Joe Silva, I still got guys in and stuff, but Dana was definitely tougher. Yes, yes, I can, and I can understand why, too, for sure. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, we, we've seen what... Uh, uh, how Dana is on on, uh, on on national TV with the with the Ultimate Fighter and some of the other press conferences. In right. fact, uh, yeah, he he's fairly rough around the edges. I mean, uh, I I personally had no troubles with him when I was uh, working with the press at one of the UFCs at one time. But uh, I can see other people. Um, basically, it's like uh, some of the other journalists didn't want to talk to him, but kind of felt that, Hey, I have to, this is my job. And why do I want sure. it to, I don't want to talk to him. I've I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. You don't, you, you don't always get to choose as a, after United 18 years of journalism and in Indiana, I had to talk to Bobby Knight and Bobby Knight's a, an excellent coach, but an asshole of a person. And, and it was really that, you know, no one wanted to do it, but you had to do it. Oh, 
now that you brought that up, I, I just have to, I have to ask you a little bit. So, so uh, did you have to actually uh, do interviews with Bobby Knight? Because, I mean, I know Bobby, Bobby Knight's a winning uh, basketball coach, but uh, man, I've heard some horror stories about him, uh, you know, striking his players to even one, yeah. one really bizarre story is, uh, and this this came from I don't know if this was a paid publicity stunt or whatever, but one of the players said that Bobby Knight actually had the nerve to to take a shit in front of all his team, and he and he passed the toilet paper around and said, "This is how you played." <laughs> it, wow, that doesn't. I, I I don't know. I I question that. It, it, I mean, I I I saw him every twice a week every almost every week for two years i and and i got to be pretty close i was a sports editor in muncie indiana so we weren't that far from indiana uh, iu and so we covered him home and away and i never heard any of those things most of the stuff he did was just losing his temper and then he just had a disdain for the media he, he wanted to make our jobs as tough as possible make us on deadline, make us wait to interview him and that kind of stuff. He was, he was a jerk when it came to that, but I don't know. I mean, he was pretty tough on the players. They knew, you know, but if you interview the players, most of them love him. And, and if they don't, they left, they didn't stick around and get abused. They either embraced it or took off. Yeah. I hear that. You know, that uh, brings up one other thing, too, with uh, you working as a journalism outside of MMA, of course. Uh, did you ever get a chance to work a little bit and do run interviews with Dan Gable? Oh, yeah. Yeah. My my Dan, Dan, Dan Gable story was my, my very second, in my second day on the job at the Quad City Times, Dan Gable was, now I'm from Indiana, so I'm, I'm basketball. Wrestling is something you do. If you can't shoot, you get punished, and you got to put a singlet on and roll with other dudes. That's that's how it's looked at in Indiana. Of course, of course, in in Iowa, it's a little different. And uh, I went to the Knights of Columbus luncheon. Um, I filled in, and I was introducing Dan Gable, and I, you know, kind of had to look him up real quick, and I said some stuff and introduced him and he got up there and he goes, how, how long have you been in Iowa? And I said, just a couple of days. He goes, I thought, he goes, you don't know who the hell I am, do you? And I said, not really. I really don't. And everyone's laughing, you know, I mean, he's super famous. And of course it didn't take long for me to figure out and, and stuff like that. But, um, you know, at the time I'm just coming over, I know the basketball coach, but I don't, I didn't know the wrestling coach. Oh, yeah, he, what a remarkable uh, coach he was, too. I mean, the champions he, he produced. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's a legend. He's a legend. He's you know, pretty, pretty incredible, hard-nosed guy. That, and this, that raises a, another question, too, is, uh, you know, being in that area where um, if it's not basketball, it, it's wrestling. Uh, did you ever get in, any guys uh, for, that were – that wrestled under uh, Dan Gable that came over to the Militich uh, gym or anything like that, that were, didn't, weren't really interested in fighting, but, uh, 
but uh, definitely uh, helped uh, with the wrestling aspect uh, in in the training and things like that. Oh yeah, we had lots. We had we were full of Iowa wrestlers, and then the thing with Iowa wrestlers, my uh, I lived in Bettendorf, and Bettendorf High School was one of the state's elite wrestling schools, and they'd put you know two to five guys would go to Iowa every year, all their state champions, and my son was was there and so they were all friends and and so you know i signed quite a few of those guys um and and such but but we we had we had a lot of iowa influence iowa state a lot of guys that wrestled there uh you know around the militage camp yes yes indeed and of course uh you've all, you mentioned too that uh you've you've worked with uh with with a lot of boxers, of course. You mentioned Michael Nunn, then of course uh, Laverne Clark, uh, who was a boxer who became an MMA fighter. He, I was uh, quite impressed uh, as to well how well he adapted. Of course, I think the only poor performance I seen from him was that against uh, Frank Trigg. But uh, other than that, uh, you know, even though he and he got caught in that armbar by Fabiano Iha, but uh, but still he. You know he had a he had a bit of a wrestling background himself, but uh, oh yeah, uh, you know a very exceptional boxer. But, um, I one question I have to ask you is uh, since you worked in both uh, fields of boxing and MMA, when uh, Tim Sylvia decided to take on uh, what was it uh, Mercer? I think it was yeah Ray, Ray Mercer. Yeah. Um, overall, uh, what? What was your uh, overall reaction before that fight happened? Because obviously, you know, Tim likes stand up and bang. Yeah, well, that was my show. Uh, that that was that he fought on adrenaline, which is my show. Um, I put it on down in Birmingham. I wanted a boxing match. That's what I wanted, and um, I thought Tim could hold his own with with Mercer, who was fifty years old. And we knew we didn't underestimate it. We knew he was going to be tough, but Tim's boxing was pretty good. And, and worst case scenario, he loses in boxing. Doesn't make that big a deal. And uh, and then uh, 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 oh, I can't think of his first name now. Serb uh, for the the uh, the commissioner for Pennsylvania. Um, oh my gosh, what is Serb's first name? Um, I'll tell you in one second here. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Greg, Greg Serb. Yep. And Greg Serb decided that he was like the vice president of the ABC. He decided he didn't like that matchup. And so he was doing everything he could to stop it, no matter where I would try to take that show to. And I finally took it to Alabama where they didn't have a commission. And I, and I got the okay from a Canadian commission who was with the ABC to come in and, and do it. Well, then, then they, um, uh, they canceled all of a sudden the, the okay we had from the ABC got canceled and I and he did everything he could. He just kept shutting us down no matter how we turned, which way we turned and. uh, I finally said, fine, we'll just, we'll do it in MMA. It's not what I wanted, but that's what we'll do. And I told Tim, I said, you know, don't screw around with this guy. 
it's MMA now. Just take him down and finish him. And um, Tim came out and threw a leg kick. And uh, and then, you know, uh, they came in, they threw punches at the same time. Tim's actually landed and buckled Munson, or, Mercer, yeah, Mercer, yeah, he buckled Mercer's knee, and then people people saw it differently. They said, "Oh, he was going down for a takedown." Mercer's not going to take down anybody. Mercer got clipped, and he and he went down on one knee, and and I thought, I'm behind Mercer when I'm seeing it. And I thought, holy shit, Tim Tim might have just knocked him out. And I look up, and then I see Big Tim falling like a tree, you know, because Mercer had hit him too. And um, that was the end of the fight. It was frustrating because we had to fight in what in, a, in in MMA, which we didn't want to do. I thought we would have a better chance in in boxing as far as him putting on a good showing, and um, you know, served it and didn't allow that to happen. Ironically, then fast forward a few years, and you and you've got you've got Mayweather you know, fighting his, his famous fight with McGregor. And where's Greg served? Not saying shit, not saying a word. And, and it's like, wait a minute, you, you know, Tim was the best heavyweight boxer in his division. And anyway, he's the best. And you'll see, uh, McGregor's not the best boxer in the UFC. And, and Mercer was 50 years old and well past, past his prime. And Mayweather is still undefeated and it's at the top of his game. Didn't make any sense, but that's just, you know, that's what happens. You know, he picked on me and chased me around. But then when the thing was happening, you know, in, uh, in Vegas and there was so much money involved, he all of a sudden got chicken shit and didn't say a word. So pretty frustrating. Yes. Yes. I can hear that. But- I'm not happy. It's in my. It'll be in my book. I I got 29 chapters written in a book. You know, of course, I was a writer, so it's not as difficult as it might be for some. But I, I've got about 29 chapters written. It'll be done by the end of the year. I'm just I'm just redoing, going back over stuff, and it includes a lot of things that happened, including that skirmishes with Dana White. Um, I want to tell you real quick when uh. When Laverne Clark lost to Fabiano Iha by armbar, um, that was his, Laverne's fourth fight in the UFC. It was 3-0. and oh. And uh, he had already beaten Iha. And they did a rematch. And he calls me about a week before he leaves for the show. And he goes, Monty, he goes, I'm going to wear shoes for this fight. And I said, Vern, you can't. I go, it's, you know, he's a submission guy. You, you do that and he'll go for a you know, go for an ankle and he'll have something to grab hold of. And he goes, yeah, he goes, I still, I got to wear shoes. I go, I'm not going to let you do that. And he goes, he goes, you need to come to the gym. So I go to the gym and he goes, come, coming back. We go in the locker room. He takes his shoe off and there's blood everywhere. And, uh, I'm like, what, what in the hell happened to you? And he said he was, mowing a lawn and they had a hill so he was lowering the the lawnmower down with the rope 
and then pulling it up and he slipped and his foot went under the lawnmower and he said pieces of the his shoe flew all over and he said he didn't want to look he knew it was going to be bad but pieces of his toes were still in the you know the tip of the show the oh shoe my that got goodness. cut up and the big and his big toe got split down the middle and uh, long ways and it was the size of a fist and all bloody all wrapped up in toilet paper and uh i'm like dude you need one you gotta go to the hospital and then uh Number two, there's no fight. He goes, no, no, I'm fighting. He goes, but I got to wear shoes. I'm going to have to wear a big shoe on this foot and a smaller one on this foot. And that's how it was back in those days. So when when he fought him, you know, he fought him on that on that foot, which meant he had a harder time defending the takedowns and stuff like that. And that was the only way that he was going to lose was, you know, to get taken down. And that, and that's, and that's what happened. Well, yeah, but, uh, also, uh, uh, Fabiano Iha, I mean, I'm sorry, I, when it, when it comes to executing an arm bar, I mean, uh, yeah, we, we seen what, uh, Ronda Rousey's capable of, but, uh, I don't know. I have to be honest with you there. When, uh, Fabiano Iha goes for an arm bar, he, I think he's actually better than, uh, the way, uh, than Ronda Rousey and the way he sets it up. I mean, he, cause when I talked to him, he, he was talking about how he, he, he was a basically a white belt and everything else. But when it came to executing an arm bar, he was a black belt. Yeah, no, he was good, but he would, he, he would have never, I mean, yeah. a healthy, a healthy, uh, Laverne yeah. doesn't get taken. Down. And, and I mean, they could go all day. He's not going to take Laverne mm. down. I mean, Matt Hughes couldn't take Laverne down. It, it was a, a war when they fought. Yes. And, uh, in fact, Laverne took, Laverne took Matt Hughes down and had him had him almost choked out uh, and, and won the first round and when they fought each other. But um, uh, the first time he fought Iha, uh Fabiano only lasted a minute 30. Yeah. And, and uh, I mean, so, I mean, that's, that's a healthy – we're talking about a guy whose foot – it's like a club foot. It's no, it's of no use to him whatsoever. And, and he still, he, you know, he just, back then you didn't pull out a fight. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's insane. <laughs> wow. Something like that. Yeah. Wow. Yep. It uh, was different back then. How, how people, I mean, they used to, the guys I managed would come up and I said, what are you hiding? How you get a hand behind your back? And you go, ah, it's broken. He goes, don't pull me out of the fight. He goes, it'll heal, you know, stuff like that. I mean, everyone wanted to fight. They didn't want to pull out. Now, now, the the people pulling out are it, it's uh, it's like a plague. Everyone yeah. pulls out. Uh, no, there's. It seems like uh, there's that uh, there's that toughness that seems to deteriorate over time. You know. Like and boxing is a very very good example, you know, from the days of Dempsey. I mean, I mean, uh, and John L. Sullivan. They, I mean, they box what uh, unlimited rounds with bare knuckles, and then oh, go yeah. go ba- go back to work, go back to work and doing working in the mines or the sawmill or whatever it was the very next day, you know. Yeah. And and then uh, of course, I'm I'm just going to give you my uh, honest opinion when it comes to. Uh, 
Mayweather is Mayweather is a good fighter, but I can't uh, put him in that category of uh, of like the Muhammad Ali's, the Sugar Ray Robinsons that you know, uh, be, because the Rocky Marcianos, because uh, whoever was the number one contender, those people fought the the number one contender. They didn't pick and choose their opponents and set certain terms and conditions like Mayweather does. Right. No, I agree. Yes. To have just a, a couple minutes left here, uh, one question I, I really wanted to ask you, too, because uh, you, you brought up the athletic commissions. I know the Nevada State Athletic Commission is is tough to work with with their, uh, with their agenda they, they put before you before you could fight, and then uh, California even worse. Uh, but uh, what I don't know. Uh, who would you say was the easiest uh, athletic commission to work with, and who was the most difficult? Well, I mean, again, it, it all it all depends on on, on your criteria. Like, uh, I mean, California, Nevada, New Jersey—they all have a whole heck of a lot of medicals you got to do. Yeah, I mean, a lot of medicals and a lot of paperwork. Um, Texas. Is it Texas or Oklahoma? One of those two uh, only allows medicals on their paperwork. And that's just absurd. You know, so you have to go, even if you just got blood work a month ago, you got to go get, or not blood work, but uh, say uh, an eye test or a physical, you got to go back with their paperwork and transfer it. Now, everyone else takes their paperwork, but they only take their own. It's just bogus. Um, Illinois is very difficult. They, they, they don't, they're not your friend. They're not trying to help you. It, it just seems like they're, you know, they, they're making you do every little thing possible. They, they don't, they really don't want you to come and do a show. They'd rather just sit in the office and get paid. And they're, they're the, they're the, they're one of the tougher ones. Iowa is very simple. All you need is blood work. And, and they don't license the fighters or the, or the corners, none of that kind of stuff. So, I mean, Iowa's probably the easiest that, I, that I've worked with. Yes, yes. I, I, that sounds very simple, too. And uh, just to share one other thing, too, is uh, I, there's, a, there's a good buddy of mine who trained with uh, Ken Shamrock at one time. But uh, uh, that, that's another story for another time. But uh, he... He was living in uh, Reno, Nevada, and uh, he had a fight in Lemoore, California. And of course, for for a time being, of course, uh, the the uh, venue was uh, was on a reservation uh, just outside of Lemoore, California, and there was um, MMA was not allowed in California at right. that at that time. But uh, then, of course, a few years passed by, and and. Uh, MMA is sanctioned in California, and that even includes that reservation that my buddy fought on. And, right. uh, well, uh, prior to it, he had always gotten his blood work right there in the city of Reno with doctors with who have their credentials. But once California sanctioned it, he and he got his physical and his blood work and everything done in Reno, and he shows up to the event and, and presents his paperwork, they said this is no good. We need a California doctor. So. No. Yeah, it it that was uh, Armando Garcia. 
Uh, that I'm not sure I uh, who who was behind the scenes there, but uh, yeah, I I remember Richard just infuriated, you know, because all this came out of his pocket too. Oh yeah, I know. Um, Armando Garcia was there until he got fired for uh, inappropriate with the women, and uh, of course, then he got hired as the uh, head of security for Station Casinos. So we all know who owns those. But yes. Anyway, um, I was the first person, first MMA person ever to get fined by the California Commission. And we were doing the third, the number three show in California history, MMA. We were doing it at the one pay, the I Pay One Center in San Diego. Big show. Uh, T.J. Thompson from Super Brawl and Icon Sport and I were uh, co-promoting it, and um, we uh, we didn't do very well. I think we drew three thousand or something, and we had a ex- really expensive show. And um, uh, right before the show started, five minutes before, first first Armando Garcia finally shows up, and he says, "All these fights are three three minute rounds." And we're like, what are you talking about? These are all pros. These are all seasoned guys like Rich Clemente and Roger Huerta and 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 uh, Matt Linlin, you know, things like that. These are real guys. And uh, we finally got him to do to do regular three fives for a couple fights, but he was just an ass. And then he, he he five minutes before the show, he comes to me and he goes, Monty, I need twenty copies of this your your uh, insurance stuff. And I'm like, Armando, we're getting ready to start the show. I mean, and he goes, well, we don't start the show until this gets done. I said, the copier doesn't work upstairs. I go, I would have to go back into all this traffic, go to go to Kinko's, make the copies, then fight the traffic to get back in. And he goes, well, you better get going. I'm like, I, you know, I'm tempted to say something. And I'm like, you know what? Just, just do it. So I did. Took me about 25 minutes. I come back, we're late. And as I, I hand him the paperwork, he hands me another piece of paper and goes, I need 10 copies of this. Well, now I've, now he's gone over the line. Now I'm just sitting there and I'm like, don't say it. You know, don't say anything to him. And I finally just go, fuck you, you fat piece of shit. I go, you want those copies? Move your fat ass. Get in the car and you go get the copies. And he goes, I'll shut this show down. I go, shut the fucking show down. I go, we're losing money anyway. Do me a favor. Shut the show down. And uh, he goes stomping off. Then he goes over to TJ, and he's giving TJ an earful. And TJ comes back to me while Armando's watching. And he has his finger up to my face like he's scolding me because he can't, no one can hear. And he go, what'd that piece of shit say? And I go, that motherfucker, this is what he did. Blah, blah, blah. And he goes, what a piece of shit. And he's waving his finger in my face like I'm getting scolded. And he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, by the way, they're going to find you, and you have, to, you, have to, you have to go behind the curtain. You can't be out here for the show. And I'm like, you know, what a, what a piece of shit he is. And I'm looking over at him and pointing at him, and he's looking away from me. And that's what we did. But they fined me 500 bucks for, um, for the thing. Then they got us. We... We had uh, cameras there just to film the fights and to put them on the big screen for, for inside the venue. Mm-hmm. They said, yeah, your, 
you're, the, the event's televised, that's another two grand. Like, it's not televised. Well, you got cameras. I go, I don't care. It's not televised. Not being shown anywhere. It's just being shown on the big screen. Well, we're going to take the $2,000 and um, you can, you can, um, you know, you, you, you can protest it. Well, of course, they were never going to give any money back. They just just robbed us out of two thousand dollars. He was he was a total piece of shit. They finally finally got rid of him. You know he was he was the worst. Well, if uh, he's the one that uh, pulled his bullshit with uh, my buddy Richard, then um, I w- I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. But, uh, that's uh, <laughs> wow. I guarantee I guarantee it was. He had one guy. He got him up at three o'clock in the morning. He's he's uh, he's at home alone with his sick kid. His kid's two years old. Get he's finally sleeping. And Armando says, "I need I need those twenty pages of whatever it was he needed." And he goes, "Armando, he goes, I'm here watching my kid. Because you have five minutes to get it to me." And he goes, "Armando, I can't leave." And he goes, yeah, four and a half minutes." So he gets up, takes his sick kid into a kinko's faxed it to him, then calls him, and he goes, these these pages are in order. They're numbered in order. You sent them, you know, jumbo. Like, he couldn't sort them. He goes, resend it in order. And made him resend all that stuff, page one, two, three, four, in order. Couldn't take five seconds to, or, to do them himself. That's, that's Armando Garcia. <laughs> just a complete egomaniac. It just delights in being a dickhead, basically. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> he was he was he was as good at it as anyone I'd ever seen. Yes. Well, Monty, I hate to say this, but uh, we are out of time, and I do appreciate the info on that though too. It's like wow. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, but I really appreciate uh, you taking your time and uh, talking to me and uh, reminisce some old stories. That that was some great stuff to hear. Um, if anybody wants to reach out to you, or if anybody wants to fight, if since you're still putting on shows, how can somebody get in touch with you? Well, right now I, I've kind of gone back to boxing just for a while. I, I've done a year now of boxing, and we're doing pro boxing and and uh, amateur kickboxing stuff. But uh, best way to get me is look up Extreme Challenge MMA our page, and uh, you can contact me through there. All right. Hey, once again, thank you so much for joining the show, and I wish you the best of luck in your future endeavors. Thank you, sir. You bet. Thanks a lot. Take care. And ladies and gentlemen, there you have the interview that I conducted with Monty Cox, who's been around the sports of boxing and MMA for a long time. (laughs) Very, very insightful. Happy to talk to him, and I hope this leads to other interviews, too, like I would definitely... Love to get Pat Militich here on the show, and I'm going to see what buttons I can push there. You know, maybe Jens Pulver or uh, Matt Hughes, perhaps, too. be great to talk to those guys. Anyway, it is time to go to the next music set. Coming up, we have Tom McDonald, going to be followed by the Highway Women, be followed by Albert Frost, and then uh, I've been saying this, that uh, we, we have rare tw- twin spins, but uh, I'm starting to notice within my music collection that I have more than I thought I did. So, you know, I'm going to try to push these as much as possible because I already have one in mind for next week, mind you. So should be interesting. So 
now this guy, I can't pronounce his name. Uh, he's out of Finland, uh, Leo Morikali, and uh, with his cover of Cypress Hills, Insane in the Brain. Yeah, that's actually more of a rock metal cover. And then we have a country cover of Insane in the Brain by Buckaroos, if you remember them, out of Nebraska. Anyway, with that said, we'll be right back after this. How dare you and who in the hell fuck do you think you are? You're listening to Outlaw Radio, where we're proper gentlemen, because we always ask... Do you mind if I fart? You really know how to waste a Cialis, don't you? You're abusing my fan. I think it's crazy I'm the one who they labeled as controversial and Cardi B is the role model for 12-year-old girls. There's rappers pushing Xanax at the top of the billboard, but if I mention race in a song, I'm scared I'll get killed for it. It's backwards, it's getting exponentially dumb. It's more difficult to get a job than purchase a gun. Eminem used to gay bash and murder his mom, and now he doesn't want fans if they voted for Trump. We're ashamed to be American. You should probably love it, because you have the right to say it and not get strung up in public. As children, we were taught how to walk and talk, but the system wants adults to sit down and shut up cancel culture runs the world now the planet went crazy label everything we say is homophobic or racist if you're white then you're privileged guilty by association all our childhood heroes got me too or they're rapists they never freed the slaves they realized that they don't need the chains they gave us tiny screens we think we free because we can't see the cage they knew that race war would be the game they need to play for people to big teams they use the media to feed the flame they show fake woe All these people screaming facts, but they fake woke Hate their neighbor cause he wears a mask Or he stays home, has a daughter But his favorite artist said he slays hoes Picks her up from school, music slaps on the way home Censorship's an issue cause they choose what they erase There's a difference between hate speech and speech that you hate I think Black Lives Matter was the stupidest name When the system's screwing everyone exactly the same I just wanna spend Thanksgiving Day with food and my family Without being accused of celebrating native casualties We got so divided it's black and white and political Republicans are bigots Libtards if you're liberal There's riots in our streets And it's just getting worse Y'all screaming deep on the police Y'all are genius for sure They're underfunded already They're way too busy to work Order food and call the cops See what reaches you first Segregation ended, that's a lie in itself That was a strategy to make us think they were trying to help They knew that racism was hot if they designed it to sell We buy up every single box and divide us ourselves They show And wonder why it isn't working That's like sleeping with a football team To try and be a virgin Politicians are for sale And someone always makes the purchase But you and I cannot afford it Our democracy is worthless If a man has mental illness 
Journalists call him crazy, say it silently. When country's going crazy, we accept it as society. Get sick and take a pill when the side effects get you high. You get addicted like these rappers dying, fighting with sobriety. Censoring the facts turns our children into idiots. They claim it's for our safety. I'll tell you what it really is. Removing information that empowers all the citizens. The truth doesn't damage points of view that are legitimate. They're trying to change amen to amen and women. How do we let them make praying a microaggression? Instead of asking God for the strength to keep winning, we cheat to get ahead and then we ask for forgiveness. Feminism used to be the most righteous of fights, but these days it feels like they secretly hate guys. I don't trust anyone who bleeds for a week and don't die. I'm just kidding. But everything else that I said is right. They Anxiety, depression, trauma. Don't depend on pills. Find a permanent solution, a transorbital solution, in just 20 minutes. Originally pushed underground as an alternative therapy, the lobotomy is a safe, fast procedure that snips a couple of troublesome nerve endings in your brain. Afterwards, you'll be completely brain dead, like everyone else in the state. Perfect for consuming our culture-free lifestyle. Just as there's a permanent surgical solution for solving that hunger in your stomach, there's a surgical solution that solves the anxiety and hunger for answers in your brain. The San Andreas Lobotomy. Death for my sins. How I've 
with my brolly so I play Gotta pay my dues to the devil Gotta pay the devil
trying to get crazy with SA? Don't you know I'm loco? It's tough, I just lost that ham in the frying pan Like spam, it's gone when I come and slam Damn, I feel like the son of Sam Don't make me rich and end it Get to the gen, got me going like gen We're electric Yeah, the lights are blinking I'm thinking it's all over when I go out drinking Oh, making my mind slow That's why I don't fuck with the big four Oh, no, I got to maintain Cause a white boy like me is going insane Insane in the membrane We're dying in the brain
drinking Oh, making my mind slow That's why I don't fuck with the big four bro I got to maintain A brother like me is going insane Insane In South Africa, genocide of white people, black-on-white violence, is rampant and ongoing. The South African mainstream media has kept this genocide hush-hush, and South Africa's politicians have been silent about it. It's time for the silence to end. Enter USAC, the United South Africa Coalition. 
USAC Incorporated comprises groups and individuals around the world working together to create public global awareness of the genocide in South Africa and to develop community restoration programs that will make South Africa a safe place for all races to thrive. To join USAC and for more information about USAC and what you can do, visit USAC.center. That's U-S-A-C dot center. USAC, working to bring back a safe, truly unified South Africa. This is the Renegade Show. You have three different scenarios here, and I'll give them to you. No, I said scenarios, not Cheerios. Coming to you coast to coast and around the world on your favorite radio station. How did you get Cheerios from scenarios? All right, it's time for the Renegade Pick of the Week countdown. Here we go, counting it down all the way to number one. Who farted? Yeah, we'd like to welcome you to the Renegade family. Does anybody even remember Doogie Hauser? I think it's fair to warn you that by listening to this show, you're committing a misdemeanor in four states. Three children are asking their parents where babies come from. Two children run away, and one mother ends up crying by the end of the show. This is the Renegade Show. Go to Facebook.com slash Radio Chris Master to find out days, times, and stations of where you can catch the Renegade Show. Left-wing community organizers and campus radicals in Idaho want to indoctrinate Idaho kids from cradle to college, teaching them hate America propaganda that white people are inherently racist, gun rights are evil, and it's okay to swap genders. Idaho state representatives will vote soon on Senate Bill 1193 that would give $6 million to a leftist organization that teaches this nonsense to Idaho's youngsters. You can stop this. Join Idaho Freedom Action to put an end to this leftist takeover of education in Idaho. Visit IdahoFreedomAction.org. Join the fight against Idaho Senate Bill 1193. Visit IdahoFreedomAction.org today. IdahoFreedomAction.org. Support Outlaw Radio and friends and buy some cool stuff in the store section of OutlawRadioABS.com. Show the world how much you love Outlaw Radio with Outlaw Radio t-shirts and hats. In the CTM store, a service of Caravan to Midnight, find items to help make your life easier and better, including water purification by Berkey, delicious long-term storable food by My Patriot Supply, the New Eden Nutritional Support System, the Ionic Toothbrush System, a better way to clean your teeth, the Invisible Mask, a negative ion generator, that hangs from your neck like a pendant that mitigates incoming pollution. The high ion bio key quantum scalar energy pendant, EMF mitigating fabrics and clothing, and some really cool infrared night vision binoculars. In the Cranked Up Coffee Shop, a service of Cranked Up Live. Entertain your taste buds with coffee that even the aficionados love. Some of the best blends from around the world, including Serato and Grindhouse Brew. Visit outlawradioabs.com and click on the store link. A service of Outlaw Radio and AOW Productions. Outlaw Radio. I'm not in the mood to deal with you today, you stupid asshole. 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 All right.
right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Outlaw Radio, brought to you by Coldcock Whiskey. Raise your glass, take your shot. You must be 21 years of age or older to drink. Hunter Athletic, Gear Up, Let's Train, and USAC, the United South Africa Coalition. Go to USAC.center for more information. The songs you just heard, you just heard Buckaroos with a cover of Cypress Hills, Insane in the Brain. Of course, that was part of a twin spin before that. Leo Mocarelli out of Finland with his cover of Insane in the Brain by Cypress Hill. Before that, Devils and Gods by Albert Frost. Before that, The Highway Women with the Devil. And starting off the whole set, Tom McDonald and Fake Wokened. Gotta admit, that's an interesting song. Tom McDonald is a very interesting individual. And uh, yeah, look, I'm going to try to push for an interview with him sometime. I've already sent out an email. But, uh, he's, yeah, he, he's really, uh, well, let's just say some people call him a racist because, just because he's speaking the truth for the most part. But, uh, you know, and others saying uh, he's spot on. I'm one of those people that's going to say he's spot on with what he talks about. Anyway, it's uh, time for Outlaw Radio Conservative Talk with my guest, Mike Miller. Now, a uh, part of this interview did have to be edited uh, due to at uh, time. Yeah, yeah, because uh, unfortunately, uh, you know, I'd, I'd be running over on time if I didn't edit uh, some of it out, unfortunately. And I, uh, Mike, if you're listening, I do apologize for that. But anyway, here we go. Outlaw Radio Conservative Talk. Outlaw Radio Conservative Talk. I just want to tell you that America is the greatest place on earth. We will make America great again. We the people tell the government what to do. It doesn't tell us. We the people are the driver. The government is the car. And we decide where it should go and by what route and how fast. Outlaw Radio Conservative Talk starts now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for this edition of Outlaw Radio Conservative Talk, I want to welcome somebody from my neck of the woods, Mike Miller, to the show. Mike, how you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Thank you very much for joining the show. Definitely. Thank you for having me. Yes, yes. So, just I want to cover some things here. Um, first off, uh, I'd like to I'd like to get your thoughts on the uh, on the outcome of the uh, Derek Chauvin uh, verdict. Of, if you ask me, uh, this this isn't uh, this isn't a, a victory or a loss. It's a big loss for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I, I mean, I was I was a little surprised by the verdict through watching uh, a large part of the trial. I didn't watch all of it, but I uh, was definitely watching a fair amount of it. So I was pretty surprised that they came guilty on all uh, on all three counts. Um, you know, I think it's going to be interesting if any of the jurors ever do uh, any type of interviews or anything like that, because I really think that like that they were afraid for their city is what I would imagine happened more than likely that, you know, they've been under siege pretty much for months and months and afraid, Hey, if we 
don't come back with a guilty verdict, then the city's going to burn, just like a lot of the people in that city and around the country were saying. I mean, you had uh, elected officials coming into the area saying, hey, we need to, you know, essentially do violence to the city if we don't get what we want. And it's, it wasn't surprising to me at all. And a lot of people are even coming out, uh, like AOC, Barack Obama, hey, this isn't, this isn't a win. You know, a win would have been, um, you know, him still alive, which, you know, I don't like to see death of anybody, but I believe that there is accountability and things that happen due to our own individual actions. And a lot of people are putting it at the hands of the uh, uh, chauvin. But if they want, if they're actually worried about change, then they need to look at police training, not yeah, um, you know, one individual person. But this is what he was trained to do. And so, if you feel that it's excessive, or that you know those techniques should not be used, then let's look at you know getting police the training that they need because you're asking them to deal with, you know, our worst days. Yeah, and- absolutely. Absolutely. You know what they're talking about, uh, reforming the entire Minneapolis uh, police department, which is going to be a domino effect, which, you know, they're going to, they're going to want this for other cities. Of course. I mean, how else? Can- well, and I would, and I'm yeah. even open to, you know, uh, like, we've talked about, you know, previously, like we have to define terms, like, you know, reform, like, I think there's always things that we can do better, but what do you mean by reforming? Cause I imagine when they say reform the police, that it's, you know, mostly get rid of it, that the, that accountability for one's actions is gone. And it's like, that's not what we, that's not the reform and policing that yeah. is needed. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, I mean, look at it there. I mean, uh, you're, I'm not going to give your exact location of where you're at, but I'm going to say that I think you're in one of the most dangerous cities in the state of Idaho, but still that doesn't compare to like uh, downtown Los Angeles or even Chicago or even Memphis, Tennessee. Actually, a lot is overlooked. You know, I lived in Memphis for about a year, and I can tell you the time I was living there, Memphis had a higher murder rate per capita than Chicago did, and we know that Chicago is definitely one of the most dangerous cities in the country. So, and, and I mean, it's like they need... Con- the answer they, isn't to have, yeah. you know, uh, clinical workers come in, and because they're not going to be able to handle, you know, unfortunately, what are life and death situations of individuals that are... Uh, threatening or doing harm to other people that you have to have people there that are willing to, as they say, stand in the gap to protect the civilian population that either doesn't have the training or the ability to protect themselves. Yes. Yes, exactly. You know, and then of course there's all this crap about uh, defunding the police. I mean, I mean, one thing I do understand is uh, as how important our second amendment right is, is because if somebody breaks down your door with with uh, bad intent, the bullets or, or the shotgun shells are going to travel much faster than the police are to your home. So you gotta you gotta be ready because the police aren't going to be there one hundred percent to protect you. So I mean that's part of the reason why we have our Second Amendment and why it's so important, you know. But uh, it it seems like the left is coming at us. They want to defund the police. They want to 
take away our Second Amendment right. And, uh, you know, they say, oh, we're just coming after uh, AR-15s. You can have a six-gun, you can have a shotgun, a bolt-action rifle, whatever. The fact of the matter is, is that, uh, you know, I'm not too worried about Joe Biden coming after the guns that I have. You know, I've just I've just got a basic uh, bolt-action 30-06 that has a maximum capacity of four. I've got a 12-gauge shotgun that has the plug in it, and I've got a single-action Colt Revolver 357. You know, I'm not worried about him coming after those, but Kamala Harris? I'm afraid, you know, she is coming after everything. Well, I think, like, he'll be, you know or is, um, you know, a tool of the left, but, you know, second amendment, it's, you know, shall not be infringed. And I, I, I lean way harder into that than most do where it's like, I don't think it should be infringed in in any way. And they're already in a lot of respects coming for everything because, uh, what was it last year or a year, uh, two years ago, Oregon and other States, we're looking at passing uh, where in order to buy ammo, you could only buy 20 rounds a month, whether it's shotgun or 22 pistol, you know, whatever the ammo was, you could only buy 20 rounds a month. And each time you did it, you'd have to have a full background check done. You know, there's a, I'm sorry, go, what were you about to say? And so for me, it's like, um, you know, thankfully they didn't get that passed, but it's, the left has really been very brazen and cause it used to be kind of, you know, little whispers or whatever. Hey, this is what we think they're going to do. But now they're coming out and just, you know, straight out saying, Hey, this is what we're trying to do. You know, whether right. like an ammo tax or uh, a lot of places are pushing hard for, you know, a dollar around, which doesn't sound like much if you're shooting rifle ammo or, you know, 50 cal ammo, that's $5 around, but you put that on a brick of 22 and all of a sudden no one's buying 22 anymore. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, our Second Amendment rights right now are, are definitely, uh, I'd, at the moment, I don't think we're in a whole lot of trouble, but uh, we're, we're certainly getting there. Well, I mean, you look at the ATF, their ability to make rules without essentially any oversight whatsoever, and, you know, that, you know, hey, bump stocks, are, which, uh, you know, bump stocks, whatever, but you know, that they could just on a whim one day wake up and say, no, these are illegal or 80% lowers say, Hey, these are illegal. And it's like, well, what happened to shall not be infringed that it doesn't matter whether you're comfortable with it or whatever that, you know, but Biden just came out and said that no, uh, nothing in the constitution is absolute, which he's kind of right. I mean, we could, the constitution can be changed. Um, which I think is one of my fears of, you know, constitutional Congress of where they try to change things like that. But, you know, that we have government agencies that on a whim can, you know, raid a place because they say it's illegal. And now they have all the customer information from that area go door to door um, and conduct searches on houses. Yeah. 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 I definitely, uh, we don't have a lot of time, so I definitely want to move on to this is uh Idaho uh, Senate Bill 1133. This is the one where... Was that, 
They want to indoctrinate toddlers that whites are inherently racist. Uh, you know, gun control or gun, gun ownership is evil. You know, basically just drilling that, uh, you well, know, we have to we have to pay yeah, pay this reparations and white guilt and and we you know uh, if if you're uh, you may have been born with a penis but you can be a girl if you want to Mike what is your thoughts on that on every federal state local level that these little things get get put in and it's a lot of times they shoot for the moon of what their ultimate goal is but it's like no and you know the Republicans or whatever agree to hey we'll give you this little piece of something well then they're like hey it's still a win and for me it's you know being in idaho we have you know they're always talking about you know californians moving in and things like that which i'm fine with people from other areas moving in but you're moving to this area for a particular reason and but with all this you know the transgender stuff and all the different wokeness stuff this stuff is unfortunately been ha happening for years in our schools and in our local governments. And, you know, you know, the left has done a, honestly, you know, a great job of continually pushing that where, you know, the conservatives, the right, you know, have been, you know, the silent majority to where they just, you know, essentially we've been letting things continually happen to where we're to this point now. And I mean, this is the biggest reason that of my three boys, none of them, are in public school, um, you know, even here locally seeing the different indoctrinations type stuff that they're doing, a lot of the left-leaning, um, you know, school bond was coming up and the teachers were talking to the kids of, you know, hey, your parents are going to vote yes for this unless they don't like schools and they don't like your friends. And we're like, we went to the school board like, hey, hold up a second. And that's where a lot of these battles, I think, are won and lost is, you know, not only in the legislature, but in the school boards and with the schools of, hey, what are the textbooks that are mm -hmm. being approved? What is the reading yeah. material? What are the teachers saying? Because a lot of, unfortunately, the left has groomed us to where, hey, you have kids, you put them in school and you let the government train them on how mm -hmm. they need to be. You don't worry about that. We have this. And so it's no surprise to me that we have these issues coming up of, yeah. I mean, hey, this is what we're teaching your kids, and and not only that, you know, but uh, then they're they're like, well, if if you're a boy and you can't cut it in in athletics with other boys, and uh, well, you can change your gender and uh, become a girl, you know, the state's willing, to, we'll we'll ta we'll tax the hell out of out of uh, out of the local residents so you can get gender surgery and uh, you can be on the girls team, you know, and, that, and that's a bunch of bullshit right there. Well, and you don't even have to have the surgery. Like it's just, I identify this way. And it's like, whatever happened to feminism? Like, I mean, I didn't agree with, you know, feminism, but I'm like, where are all those people to say, Hey, you're destroying female sports. Yeah. The, uh, like, hey, if you want to make a, a third class for transgender, then whatever. But, yeah, one, I don't think my tax dollars should pay for that, but, like, you're destroying, you know, yeah. girls' sports, I especially mean, in my mind. Yeah, it's destroying everything that they have worked for, you know, and for, for a long time, too, because there was a time there wasn't any girls' sports. It was all boys, 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 boys. 
Um, I mean, from the 40s, 50s, maybe in the 60s, we started to get a change. But uh, for the, you know, they had to, women had to fight like hell to get where they're at. And this is a slap in the face to that movement right there. It's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, maybe I'm just around a lot of conservative women, but like, I don't know of any women that are like, hey, this is a good idea. This is good for, you know, for track and field or volleyball or basketball or softball, like none of them. And it's, you know, it's case after case of, somebody that couldn't hack it in, you know, the men's division and goes down to the women's division and dominates. It's like, how big of a, you know, piece of crap are you that, that you're doing that? Yes. Yeah. It's, and we, and we encourage it. You know, well, uh, the, you know, not you and I, but I mean, uh, our society is encouraging it and we're, you know, uh, yeah. some Meridian middle school, came out with a thing um, talking about, you know, that I don't see color, you know, isn't enough that it's, you know, you have to look at their situation and kind of, they're essentially promoting racism that you need to look at someone's race and realize that their life is harder. So you need to make their life easier. It's like, how is that not racist? Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, I mean, uh, racism has come from the left for the longest time. Not saying it's never coming out of, uh, out of the right, because it definitely has. But who fa- who founded the KKK? Democrats. Who put Jim Crow into place? Democrats. You know who expects? Who has always expected people to rely on the government, and so they can push a further agenda into socialism? Democrats. Yep. I mean, and I think that's why, yeah, I think that's why we need to become more active because for the longest time, you know, and I was definitely one of those until recently where it's like, you know, I'm just going to work. I'm, you know, I live in a Republican state. It's going to be fine. They're going to kind of do their things, but things aren't going to go anywhere. Well, I don't, I think that time has passed and, you know, that we need to start standing up for what we will believe in, start exercising our our different rights, our second amendment rights, our first amendment rights, you know, um, you know, ensuring that all, all our other rights are covered. I mean, and when I was in school, basically, um, you know, that whatever T they had a certain dress code, you couldn't wear a t-shirt that said, fuck you or anything like that. But, you know, if, I mean, if it's deemed appropriate, you could wear it. This last election back in my my hometown of Horseshoe Bend, it's what I understand. We got we got kids coming to to school wearing Trump shirts, and the teachers, just one teacher, not the entire staff, not the entire faculty, is like uh, they're they're she was just saying, you you can't wear that in my class. We haven't okay. So and then another matter, I don't know where this happened, but. Uh, you know, obviously, masks are mandated uh, different places, you know. One girl decided to wear her mask that says, I love Jesus. And she was told to take that off and put on another one, because that's offensive. I'm Freedom of religion is being erased. Freedom of speech is being erased. And, of course, they're moving to free uh, right to bear arms. It's ridiculous. And, but the crazy part is, is for the most part, no one's standing up to this stuff because you look at the freedom of religion thing, 
how much, like, you know, uh, Nevada, the casinos could be open, but the churches couldn't. Uh, tell, yeah. And some of this is starting to be overturned, but, I mean, we didn't have people rising up of, you know, it doesn't matter what religion you are, whether it's, yeah. you know, Christian, Buddhist, Muslim, Jehovah Witness, Mormon, um, you know, whatever. Like, they were saying, no, you you guys cannot meet, you cannot exercise your religion unless it's a way that us as the government deem that this is how you should exercise your religious beliefs. Well, the First Amendment doesn't say that the government controls that stuff. The Constitution is designed to limit the government, not limit the people. But we, when we allow the government to limit us and to take and strip away our rights, then, you know, how much do we actually deserve those rights if we're unwilling to fight for them even the smallest bit? Because people were just like, oh, it's, you know, oh, we can't meet, you know, our congregations can't meet. Okay. Again, you know, you get people like Maxine Waters. Maxine Waters needs to be taken out of Congress. Uh, she's one of those people. Yeah. I mean, basically, they, the devil went to uh, Minneapolis. You know, I mean, she's, I mean, I watched Even that speech. Yeah. talked about it, that he's possibly given, uh, that she gave Chauvin the, the ability for a mistrial uh, through appeal because of, you know, it's not her district, it's not her state, and she's coming down there and she's threatening the yeah. city. She's threatening innocent people, in my mind, of violence against them. Well, also, you know, just, it was back in 2018 where she stood out, I don't, she was stood outside, I don't know where it was, but if you see anybody from that cabinet, you see Trump supporters, you tell them they're not welcome here. Yeah. yeah, it's like, how is that not terrorist activity? And, you know, no matter what it is, even, you know, going back to the Trump shirts, fine, you don't want me to wear a Trump shirt, then you can't wear, then let's do away with all political shirts. Yeah. Then, you know, let's, let's play by, let's all play by the same rules. But that's not how they're doing that. They're extremely hypocritical and, you know, uh-huh. rules for thee, but not for me. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, you know, it's a... It's you look at Nancy Pelosi and all these people, hey, you can't have firearms, you can't have any Second Amendment stuff, but I'm going to have, you know, multiple armed guards with, with that are fully loaded, ready to go, ready to protect my life at any moment. Well, then why don't I get that? When Minneapolis, they defunded the police, well, they were spending, what was it, 50000 a week for the city council for armed protection. I mean, Minneapolis is pretty much going to go down just like Baltimore. You know, Baltimore is basically a third-world city in a first-world country. Of course, the country is becoming third-world as fast as as uh, we're sa- we're tanking the economy with all uh, you know. Or we're not doing it. Biden and his administration are doing it. You know, Trump built. Yeah, I don't know where we found all these trillions of dollars. Uh, uh, China, it's. And of course, China's on a their ship is sinking. They're about to go into a mass starvation. By the way, you want communism, ladies and gentlemen? There you go. Look at China, uh, mass starvation coming. Look, which happened in Russia. You know, which is also about to happen in happened Venezuela. Everywhere. Yeah, this is what communism brings. I mean, come on. So the the mouse goes up to the cheese in the trap, thinking he's going to get something free and. And snap, he's dead. That's that's what socialism is, ladies and gentlemen. Come on. Well, one thing that's crazy, too, with China, 
is how much how many uh, corporations in America they own and how much land, how much American soil they physically own. Yeah, I'm I'm wondering how much of it too is uh, is in Idaho. <laughs> well, there's I mean there's different reports and stuff like that of you know it's, it's probably topic for another time, but there's like it's amazing the amount of corporations and land in America on U.S. soil that they own. Yeah. Well, I I under I hate to say this, but uh, we are definitely out of time. Mike, I want to thank you very much for joining the show. And uh, when we get uh, things get heated up, we'll have to do this again. Definitely, I'm a, I'm afraid that they're going to stay heated, though. Oh yeah, and they're probably going to get hotter and hotter as time goes on. Yeah. All right, you take care. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there you have the interview that I conducted with Mike Miller out of. Idaho of all places, beautiful state, beautiful place, and I'm not willing to uh, give it up to the leftists. I'm willing to fight to keep it the way it is. Yes, so, uh, you know, like, like I said before, Californians want to come over here because they're sick and tired of California. They, you know, they're, cons they're uh, conservatives that lived in what was once a red state and want to go someplace where, uh, you know, it's near and dear to their values and they want to assimilate with us, I have no problem with that. You want to come to Idaho and change Idaho and make it like California? I've got a serious problem with that. I've got a serious problem with the um, Boise chapter of Black Lives Matter. They do not belong here. I did not say black people do not belong here. I'm saying that Black Lives Matter does not have a place in the state of Idaho. We do not need this fucking bullshit. Stay the fuck out. All right? Because uh, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm willing to die to keep this, to preserve this the way it is. All right? I kind of like what uh, Mark Walters says on uh, Armed American Radio. The Democrats are coming. The Democrats are coming. <laughs> yes. Anyway, so that's going to do it for this week's edition of Outlaw Radio. Now, what's in the works for next week is yet to be determined. However, I'm uh, currently uh, speaking with uh, some that are going to be promote uh, be performing. Excuse me, over at Highway Thirty Music Fest. One of those is a gentleman out of Texas by the name of Colby Cooper. Are not Colby, Colby Keeling. Yes, I've, if I can get uh, Colby Cooper on for a full interview, because I had him on this last summer. Yeah, uh, Colby Keeling. I'm uh, we're in the works on that. Uh, you know, I'm also uh, speaking with uh, the guys from Shane Smith and the Saints. Hopefully, we're, that's one that I'd really like to get right there. So, what's on tap for next week is yet to be determined. I think also though, I'm going to have. Uh, uh, one of the guys from uh, Gun Owners of America out of Florida, he has agreed to be on the show. So I, I, I can't remember his name right off the top of my head, but uh, he has definitely agreed to join the show. I've just got to, uh, I, I've got to uh, talk to, to him and, and uh, get it scheduled. So anyway, we're going to wrap the show up with Molly Diago. If you remember when I interviewed her 
last year. Yes, Molly Diago and her song Crazy Ever After with uh, Hugo Ferreira. I think I pronounced that right. (laughs) All right. So with that said, thank you very much for listening to Outlaw Radio, and I shall be back next week. Are you tired of modern pop music that sounds like a dog fucking a squeaky toy? Well, that's why you're listening to Outlaw Radio. We tell bad bed music to piss up a rope. We give you our opinions, and if a fight breaks out, so fucking what? This is Outlaw Radio. Today you're gonna leave Just like you did the day before Disappear into the corn store Well, I could swear that I saw you slip out the back door Left a set of keys and left me all alone I'm pacing out of apartment, my hair's a broken record I can't Everything is wrong with
you're in a band or maybe you run a radio show or podcast whatever you do you want to market your brand with custom made apparel look no further than fresh baked tees t-shirts hoodies tank tops caps beanies koozies banners and even masks you can get them all custom made from fresh baked tees prices are reasonable and negotiable Simply go to freshbakedtees.com, submit your logo, and place your order today. If you've been searching for a show that talks about what's trending in the world, entertainment gossip, stupid news, and more, sizzling talk radio that is not dumbed or watered down, a show that is not for pussies, then you need to stop searching and check out The Charles Richardson Show. It's uncensored talk radio. No crybabies. No losers. No fucktards. Charles Richardson and crew bring it 100% with real opinions. If you can't take it, Get the fuck out. You can even call the show and flap your gums, provided you have a brain. For the 411 stations and showtimes, like the Charles Richardson Show on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash the Charles Richardson Show. Some material may not be suitable for children under 18. The Charles Richardson Show. You want some? Come get some. Here's the truth about the Hollywood celebrities, political elites, and billionaires who attack the Second Amendment. The thought of average people owning firearms makes them uncomfortable. They don't like how the men and women who build their office buildings, vacation homes, and luxury cars, who mop their floors, clean their clothes, and serve their dinner, have access to the same level of protection as their armed security guards. They want you to surrender your freedom for a false promise of government-provided security they will never rely upon themselves. But no amount of money, power, or fame gives anyone the right to take our freedom away. At the core of the Second Amendment is the eternal truth that no life is more worthy of armed protection than another. That's what I believe, and that's what I fight for. I'm the National Rifle Association of America, and I'm freedom's safest place. 
Hi, it's the Big Voice Guy. The one who intros and promos the show you're listening to right now. Hi, my name is Jim Hunt. I voice for a growing list of internet and terrestrial radio stations, podcasts, and businesses. I'd love to spread the word about yours, too. No matter if the message is serious or silly. Whether you want the delivery to be hard-hitting, voice of authority, or conversational, warm, and fuzzy. From fully produced station imaging and commercials to custom phone system messages on hold and IVR prompts, voiceovers for computer games to narrations for presentations, even post-production audio editing and audio cleanup services. Yeah, I do them too. I'm your guy. I do business as Jim Hunt voiceovers and audio services. My rates are reasonable and negotiable because I love internet radio too. Visit my website, jimhuntvo.com. I'm Jim Hunt, at your service. Put my voice and audio production skills to work for you. Let's do this. You have been listening to Outlaw Radio. Be sure to leave your feedback by calling 208-957-7016. All feedback is played and replied to on the show. Visit our official website at outlawradioabs.com. Outlaw Radio is a presentation of AOW Productions. Well, here I am sitting on a porch writing another song. like me Man, can't you see Because you can't go wrong with one good outlaw song The outlaw song Well, here I am Sitting on the porch Wishing I with old George We'd be strumming on the cold hard truth And he stopped loving her today And I love to play Because you can't go wrong with one good outlaw song old song about Waylon and Willie David Allen Coe the man in black and the possum George Jones can't go wrong 